You're listening to the Fashion Your Passion podcast. My name is Sammy Reyes, and as a college student and entrepreneur, I'm always looking for a little more passion in my life. On this podcast, my guests and I will teach you the tools to help you fashion your passion. Let's get to it. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Fashion Your Passion podcast. I am super excited today because we are talking all things college. So I have Laura here today, who is a college success coach, as well as the founder of Rudder Coaching. So Laura, welcome to the show. Thanks, Sammy. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Can you just give my listeners a little bit more about who you are, what you do, and sort of how you came to the point of where you are today? Yeah, cool. So I am a college success coach, which means that I work one-on-one with college students virtually, and I help them figure out a couple things. I help them figure out their time management, how to stop procrastinating, how to get stuff done and have fun. I help them figure out their kind of career design. I call it career design. So maybe that's what they're going to major in, how to figure out classes, how that will lead eventually to some kind of professional life right after college and beyond. And then some students, it's really about helping them build their self-confidence. Self-confidence is a skill. It's not a trait. It's not a personality trait. It's something that you can actually grow on and intentionally improve. So I do that with students as well. Sometimes the student needs work on all of those things. Sometimes it could just be one of those areas. There's usually kind of an overlap of all three for most students. But the way that I kind of found my way to this is that I was a high school guidance counselor and college counselor for a number of years. And I had a lot of my students call me back up after they had graduated from high school. And, you know, I had worked with them on their college application process and that whole crazy, stressful process. And they were in college and they found themselves struggling for one reason or another. And they were going through their semester. They weren't dropping out but they could tell they just wasn't the experience that they wanted to have. And they didn't feel like it was big enough to go to the counseling center at their school. They would meet with an academic advisor and that didn't really like kind of help them in all these areas that they needed to address. And then at home, some of them either didn't have parents who had gone to college or somebody at home who was really able to help them work through this. And then of course we have our friends, but your friends can only help you so much, right? God bless them, but they can only help you so much. And it's really, you know, you know, when you kind of need a coach. So that's when I started to realize I'm like, oh, I could really help this. I really want to help students be their most successful self in college. It is such an investment in time and tuition and to not have the experience that you want and really get the most out of it. It sucks. (laughs) Really, it just sucks. And so I was like, I can help these students in a short term, short amount of time, get some skills, get some confidence, figure out a plan, and then they're really kind of off and running. So that was my professional experience. But then my personal experience was I was that student in college who was kind of going through the motions. I was doing okay. My time management was a mess. I was a serial procrastinator. My friends to this day can tell you stories about my procrastination. And then I was literally rudderless, didn't know what I was going to do. I graduated and I was like, oh crap, what do I do now? Like, how do I pay my bills? And, you know, and then I found my way, but that's kind of where I discovered, you know, that I really could speak to that experience. That was me. So that's why I called my company Rudder Coaching, because it's really about helping young adults find 
through a little bit of steering, you know, find a direction that feels good and right, and then also have them learn some skills to be able to change direction. So rudder coaching is kind of where I am now. I work with college students, actually some high school students too, some college students in all the grades, and then even some post-grads who just graduated and need some help with some of these things. So that's my story. I love that so much. And I feel like our missions are very similar because in the case where it's like, I talk a lot about passion, but I talk about passion in a way that it could be anything that brings you joy and also it can change at any time. I always bring up the story of like how what I wanted to do for my career has changed 16 times and it's flopped, you know, like from literally when I was 10 years old, like it's flip flop between a bunch of things and like, you know, it's going to continue to flip flop as we go along. But it's just, I don't know. I just love talking to other people who like are in the same sort of realm of things because it's like fun to just bounce ideas off of and like relate to each other and stuff like that. But today I really wanted to talk about not necessarily achieving, I would say, but more like striving towards that work-life balance. Because I'm, in my personal opinion, I believe it's not really like achievable in the sense where like you're going to have it all balanced out because you're going to have one season of your life where one thing is more important than the other. So what is sort of your take on that sort of phenomenon, if you will? And how do you sort of guide your clients through that to get to that spot? Totally. Well, it's a perfect question because I think really when you get to college, whether you're living at home or you're living on campus, the biggest transition is figuring out your time. It is the biggest transition. I don't know if you experienced this, but when I got to college, I was like, I have so much quote unquote free time because I wasn't in a physical classroom or a physical school building from 8 a.m. until 3 p.m., right? And I had these activities in high school that were kind of just like I did them year after year. And then when I got to college, I didn't have them. And I also didn't have the family responsibilities that I had at home. And just like all of a sudden, I was responsible for making the decisions about how to use my time every minute of every day, right? And I didn't even have a cell phone in front of me. So I am, that's how old I am. But like, I didn't even have that. I shudder to think what I would have had. I mean, I had like our old school, like AOL messenger thing, which was, <laughs> but even the amount of time I spent on that. So the shift of time. And then how do you make your goals happen? Like what you want for yourself, right? Happen when all of a sudden the structure through which you were working now shifts completely. Because for a lot of college bound high schoolers, like where they are planning to go to college, like that's the track that they start on when they start high school is to get to college, right? Maybe that's not all your listeners, but a good chunk of them, right? that that college itself is the goal. And so that just focuses the work in high school. When you get to college and it's like, well, I could go do a million things. Where's the focus, right? You don't have kind of the light at the end of the tunnel really like guiding you on a particular path. So how do you figure out your priorities or your goals and then translate that into making them happen every day? So that is a lot of the work that I do. And it's really about managing your time doesn't actually exist. There's no such thing as time management because you can't manage time. It's neutral. It passes. It's abstract actually. And so it's really your thought management 
how you manage your mind around your thinking about time. And then it's really the actions that you take to manage your time. So I do a lot with my clients on building a schedule, which freaks some people out, but building a daily schedule, a very realistic, visual, manageable schedule that they can then follow, which doesn't feel overwhelming. And it's not like to the minute. I know if I had told my college self, like, here's a schedule that would have been like overwhelming. But the way that I teach it is like, you follow a schedule anyway, let's just get it down and really have a moment to intentionally check. Does my time reflect my priorities? Does it reflect the goals? Am I actually dedicating? Because we can have desires for goals. Like I want to do this. I want to do this. I am interested in this. If it doesn't show up anywhere in your calendar each week, guess what? It's not going to happen, right? I mean, I can tell myself I want to take care of myself physically and therefore I should meditate. I should do yoga. I should do these things. But if I don't actually intentionally put it on my calendar, then it's not that important. So even things like I have a student who hates laundry, hates doing it, doesn't do it until he's truly like in his robe. And then it's like, this is not good. Right. And then he has hours of laundry to do. And I was like, I know it sounds crazy, but you actually have to put laundry on your calendar, on your schedule. Right. And so this concept of like starting earlier, I always talk about this with my students because they're like, I know, I know, I know I should start earlier. I should start earlier. And I'm like, you can't think start earlier because that's never going to happen. You have to start smaller. So you start smaller and you put small things visibly on your physical calendar. You will start to see that it's not a balance. You're totally right. There is no such thing as balance, meaning that everything is going to get equal time. I think that's what we think is the ideal. It's not actually like, oh, my personal life, my academic life, my professional life, you know, are all going to get the same number of minutes. That's not the intention. It's does my schedule and the way that I'm choosing to use my time reflect what are the priorities? Because you're so right. Times in your life, like right now for me, my family life and what I need to do for my kids is more of the priority than it will be in 10, 15 years. And then it was 15 years ago. So there's no way my schedule would look the same. I can't do it the same way. So instead of balancing, right, we know the word priority, your priorities. Again, if you look at a time, I call it the time log. If you really would write down everything you did in the last week, like if you could really force your brain to go hour by hour last week, including phone scrolling, including laying in bed, watching Netflix, literally every minute. And you look at those minutes and you say, is how I'm using my minutes every day reflecting my priorities? Now, you're not going to have every single minute of the day dedicated to a priority, but if the majority of your minutes are going towards your priorities, guess what? You're going to be accomplishing your goals. So it's kind of a long answer, but. <laughs> no, I absolutely love that. And you answered my next question too, because I know for me and I know some of my friends as well, we get to this point where we're like, we just have so much work work to do that it's like, we can't even get to our hobbies. There's just no time to include it. But then if you think about it, we spend also hours just scrolling, trying to like take that mental break. but. Say like there's someone out there who like doesn't scroll for like hours and hours a day. I don't know who doesn't, but if they don't and they're like, I still don't have time to pursue hobbies, where do you sort of tackle that? 
Yeah, that's a great question. And so usually it comes down to the efficiency of how they're doing their work. So this is the big challenge. Like when college students have a lot of academic work, it's a lot of sitting and reading and writing and answering problems and watching lectures, right? Very focused, cognitively focused time. If you don't have a set strategy for how you approach these focused times, then they are going to take way longer than they actually need to, which then means your brain is going to be under, not under stress, but it it kind of is. It's like cognitive stress, right? Cognitive work. It gets so much more tired. It's kind of like if you were doing a wall sit, like if you've ever gone to the gym and like done a wall sit, I don't know if that's a common experience, but a wall sit and your quads are like burning. You can't hold that for two hours, but that's what you're trying to do with your brain when you sit for two hours, right? And so guess what? It's not going to be as efficient when you're doing something for so long, but that's how we kind of learned how to do it. That's how most students do it is like, oh, I'm going to go write a paper for four hours, right? And it's like, oh, it ended up taking me six Hmm. Oh, well, that's just what happens, right? I guess the paper actually was supposed to take six. Well, maybe, but let's look very analytically at why it took six and what can you tweak, fine tune to next time, not have it be six, but have it be five and then have the reading assignment that you want to get done, have it get done instead of an, in two hours, an hour. And the way that you do that, I mean, there's a whole set of strategies, but the main way that you do it is you decide ahead of time when you're going to do what work and decide ahead of time how long it's going to take you, which is a hard concept for a lot of people to get. I know I didn't get it. Like, well, how do I know how long it takes me? I haven't done it yet. I'll tell you afterwards. But then if you actually train your brain to decide ahead of time, kind of like an in-person exam, like if you've ever been sitting in an exam and the professor gives you the exam booklet and you, it's like, okay, you have two hours. At two hours, I take away the exam. Guess how long it's going to take you? No more than two hours. You don't have a choice, right? And so training yourself to sit down to do work like that, my clients, myself, you start to look around. You're like, oh my God, I have free time. This is remarkable. And then here's the other key is actually, and this is kind of the unique thing that about what I teach is you have to schedule the hobbies first. You actually have to schedule your hobbies first. You think it's schedule the work first, but I talk a lot with my clients and in my practice about the two parts of your brain, the prefrontal cortex and the primal brain. The prefrontal cortex is like your adult brain, high functioning, long-term goals, delayed gratification. Your primal brain is like here and now, keep you safe, avoid pain, seek pleasure, conserve energy. I call it your toddler brain. Like I want this now. Both very important, both good. Okay. So if you ever feel like you have two voices in your head, like coming from your own head, not like hearing voices, that's something different, but two (laughs) voices in your head, like it's the two parts of your brain trying to battle it out of who's going to win the here and now or the long-term goals for later. So like when you look at your calendar, if all your primal brain sees is work, it's going to be like, no, I can only give you three or four hours of focused, of actual focus. And then I'm going to be so exhausted. I need to scroll on that phone and it doesn't matter what you try and put in front of me. I am not paying attention to anything else. But if your brain actually sees in your calendar, work on podcast, 
go to work on or video editing or go to the beach and surf you're in San Diego and go to whatever with friends. And, you know, if you plan those things first, your primal brain will realize that it is being taken care of. You will find joy. You will find relief. You will find connection with other people. You will find all that good stuff, which is truly like a chemical release in your brain. Your brain gets dopamine from your phone, right? That's what it surges with. That's why it's so hard to put that dang thing down. When you go do a hobby, your brain gets oxytocin. So oxytocin is the long-term connection, pleasure, hormone that truly sustains peace and joy and happiness. That's the real, that's the good stuff. That's the real long-term healthy stuff that you don't feel so, it's not as intense, but it's long-term, right? So when you go do your hobby, you get oxytocin. When you're on your phone, you get dopamine, which is the spike, which is like, it's a drug, right? You get numb, you get so overloaded. Then when you stop it, you feel the crash, right? Oxytocin just raises you up. You feel good. And guess what? You kind of stay there until something in your life happens, right? And brings you right back down because that's how life goes. Like your assignment or some paper you don't feel like doing. And then your brain's like, oh, but guess what's on the calendar? I have plans with a friend. There goes the oxytocin back up. And yes, you feel the ups and downs of life. That's normal. But you don't feel the super high spikes with the super low drops. Another long answer to figuring out how do you manage all the work you have to do and still take care of those other things. You have to schedule the other things first. Absolutely. And I honestly agree because for me, like this is the most stressful week of my life. The week before Thanksgiving, I am just overloaded. But the thing that is keeping me going and like not sending myself into full-fledged panic is the idea that on Friday, I'm leaving and going home to my family who I haven't seen in four months for an entire week. So it's like, if I can just get to that point, then like we're good, we're set. So I totally agree with all of that. I am a huge psych junkie as well. So I was vibing with you. (laughs) Well, the thing is, once you realize, like even as a young adult, I mean, I learned this stuff really about how my brain works, about how to really have the two parts of my brains communicate with each other. Okay. Instead of always fighting, instead of feeling like I had this battle inside my head. Oh, you should go do this. I don't want to. Like when I snoozed a hundred times in the morning, because my brain, my prefrontal cortex was like, get up and work out, get up and work. And my primary brain was like, no, you can do it later. It's not that important. Whatever. You didn't do it anyway yesterday. What's the point of doing it today? And then like, next thing I know, I'm not sleeping. I'm not working out. I'm just sitting there in my bed feeling like I'm the laziest person. Right. And then I realized, oh, my prefrontal cortex wants this. My primal brain wants this. I need to get these two parts of my brain to communicate. And after I learned this, I started to actually make intentional decisions about my time in a way that worked for me. And I mean, I have a full-time business. I have kids. I have all the things, right? Which is different than what college students have. Probably like take out kids, insert schoolwork, (laughs) right? And so I started to actually feel, like physically feel less stress, not as busy, even though I was accomplishing so much more and doing fun things. And it's like, oh God, if I only knew this in college. So here I am today trying to help the college students realize that they can work hard and have fun, which if you go to my website, you get my free time management guide with all this stuff. And I literally call it work done, have fun. 
so that you can get your work done and go have fun and then do it again and then do it again. Right. So that's why I feel so excited about this because it can make a real big difference. Absolutely. And that's also where the passion piece comes into play too. That's the whole reason why I stress it so much because when I had something in my day that I looked forward to, it made the rest of the day eight times better, you know, and I was eight times more productive. So it's so, so, so key. And in my life right now, there are a bunch of things being thrown at me, but they're the best things that are being thrown at me because I'm so passionate about each one of them. And, you know, everyone around me is like so concerned, like, is it too much? And I'm like, no, because I enjoy all of the things. So it never will feel like too much, even if it is too much in the end of the day. And the thing is, you know, because you have self-confidence, you know, you're going to figure it out and you know, it may not be fun. Like every moment of it may not be fun, but I always talk about, there are two types of discomfort. There's the discomfort of staying the same. And then there's the discomfort of growing. They're both uncomfortable. They both feel really terrible a lot of the time right? If you know you're not reaching your goals and you're not doing anything about it, that does not feel good, right? And that's when you need a lot of phone scrolling, a lot of Netflix, a lot of drugs, alcohol, food, right? Because you know you're not reaching your potential and that you're kind of not doing what you know you're capable of, right? But on the other hand, growing, trying new things, seeking out your passion, trying new ways to manage your time, putting yourself out there and taking good risks with other people and professors and applying for things. And like, you know, really putting yourself out there in the world is scary. Doesn't feel comfortable. It's pushing you to grow. So you're uncomfortable in this life either way. You might as well, in my opinion, this is kind of what I chose is like, in my opinion, you might as well go for the growth and be really uncomfortable and at least be checking off some goals along the way and then see what's possible for you to keep growing. And I just, when I saw the title of your podcast, I was like, this girl knows what she's talking about. Because when you call it fashion, your passion, that is so empowering. Because what I thought for a long time was like, I had no passion because I didn't know what I was called to do, what I was drawn to do. Right. And I really remember honestly, being like a senior in high school, applying to colleges and be like, but I have no passion. Like people say, do your passion, follow your passion, do what you love. I'm like, I don't know what I love. I don't know. How am I supposed to know that? But meanwhile, I had friends who totally knew what their passion was and they knew what they were going to go study and everything. And I just thought that something was wrong with me or like, I was like a passionless person, which sounded so sad. (laughs) But then what I realized, and this is what I teach my clients now is like, passion is over time. It's layered. Everything you do is another layer of interest. Then you start to develop a little bit of skill, right? Because you're interested in pursuing the skill, which then means like, even when you don't do it great, that interest is pursuing, is pushing you to get more skill. Then you get a certain amount of skill in it. And you're like, oh, now I see what I can do with that skill. And that feels really exciting to me. Boom, passion. Like I had a moment in my minivan where I was like driving along and I was like, oh my God, I think coaching college kids is my passion. And I was like, oh my God, I have a passion. I'm only 38 years old and I finally got a passion, right? But what I didn't know, but now I see is that through each of my career changes and each of the things I learned, it was actually layering on the foundation that ended up being a passion. I couldn't have known it. I wish I had known that I was working towards a passion back when I was in college. If somebody had been like a coach had been like, hey, don't worry, the passion's coming. 
Just start with what you think could be interesting. You'll get there. The passion's coming. You are literally fashioning your passion. I think that would have chilled me out a little bit. I could have probably enjoyed some things a lot more. So we are on the exact same wavelength, please. Because like for me, it's even though I've like switched what I wanted to do for my career 16 times, it's like it's all been in the same general topic of helping others. So it really hasn't like gone off the beaten path. Like I didn't like want to be a teacher and then want to be like an aerospace engineer. It's not how that worked, you know? Yes, it's changed. And yes, you know, I've had to sort of deal with those changes and change my major and stuff like that. If you look back at it and try to be all like philosophical with it, it really hasn't changed at all. And so I think it's like you said, like it's building on those layers to then realize whether it's, you know, 20 or 38, like this is the thing. It just had to get to that point. Right. It evolves. I like, I kind of stopped even using the word change. I'm like, let's evolve because change kind of implies sometimes in our minds that like where you are is not right or that you've kind of lost time or made a mistake or yeah, I think a lot of it has to do with time. Like, oh, I'm behind. I have to make up time. I have to catch up to people. Like people are more successful or have this passion and I don't, right? If I keep changing my lane, then how am I going to get to where I want to go quickly? And instead, I like to say that you're evolving because that brings that forward momentum into the word. And it's like, I'm getting new ideas. It's I'm evolving my ideas. My passion is evolving. And that just gives this forward motion, which then honors and really gives you a pat on the back for where you were before. And it's not that you wasted time or that you made a wrong decision way back when, or that I should have done it differently. It's actually like, oh, I'm so glad that I did it the way I did because it's brought me where I am now. I went through a phase like in my twenties where I was like, God, I wasted my college time. I was a history major. I don't know what that was doing for me. But now actually I see, even though I'm not a history teacher or like historian, I'm like, the skills I learned from that history major actually set me up beautifully to be where I am. I literally analyzed people and problems as a history major. I do that now for people in front of me on their histories. I get it now. <laughs> and now I see it. But like back then I was like, oh, I didn't have like a high paying salary job right out of college, right? I must've made a mistake. And now I'm like, no, that's not it. I was evolving. Oh, And that just sets me up so beautifully for my own future, right? Which is like, okay, this is what I'm doing now. I love it. I'm so excited. And I have so many ideas for myself for the future. So this is really what I try to teach my college clients now is like, yeah, let's get some ideas for your next step and what you want to major in and maybe what your your first job is at a college or if you go to grad school or whatever. But let's also get really excited and explore what are the possibilities ahead of you? Let's look at three or four evolutions that could be your path. They may not end up panning out, but if you feel like you're not just on one, like you only have one path to take. And if you switch that, then you've literally switched paths and everything has to change. You are going to be so stressed and you're going to be so closed off from new experiences and that whole growth thing. So looking up and realizing that you're evolving, it could take so many shapes and forms and being willing to have that happen is just, I think, a lot more fun, a lot funner to go through things. So, Yeah, 100%. And it's also like the idea of even if you say one day, like in your mid-20s or whatever it is after you like had your undergrad or whatever, that you decided you want to like switch entire industries or like switch ways completely, 
you still have the opportunity to go back and get a degree if you need it, or just find a different way through certifications or whatever to get to that job that you want. So there's so many ways. Your first undergrad really isn't the end all be all. It's just something that you're going through. I'm working with a client right now. Actually, she's older and she's going back and doing some prerequisites because now she's decided she wants to go to nursing school, right? And part of her mind is like, why this is such a late career change and I shouldn't be doing, you know, she wants to, she is doing it, right? But she's like, oh, I should have done this back then. And I'm like, that's not going to be a helpful way to look at it. Let's look at your career up until now and see what skills what knowledge you are actually bringing from those experiences into your nursing training and you will bring into your nursing practice, clinical practice. And what she discovered in that literally one hour session call was like so much of, she had been a teacher, so much of what she has learned teaching students, she literally is now applying in her own life as a student again. And She has so much awareness for how people learn, how people absorb information that she's taking to her patients. I'm like, that is so super cool. And you are going to be a way awesome nurse because you've had all those experiences, not because they were a waste of time or a mistake or put you off on a different path. So really honoring your past and realizing that it's all part of your journey. It's part of the evolution. It is contributing to the gifts and talents and skills you have now. That's a super more helpful way to think about kind of where you've come from and realize confidently that you bring a lot to the table with every different evolution. Oh, 100%. And I think you are allowed to reset whenever. Like, I don't know who said this, but like they said it one day and they're like, no one ever set an age for when you had to have it all figured out. People have just made it up throughout the years. Like you don't have to follow that. No one's grading you on that part. I mean, I hope it's never. Like, I hope never. And I wouldn't have said that 20 years ago. I wouldn't have said that even 10 years ago. But I have like so much excitement for my future now that I didn't have back then because I was so stressed about the right thing or figuring out this whole passion thing. And now I'm like, I hope that I never feel settled because that means that I'm going back to that uncomfortable growth of not growing, right? Because it's going to be either one. So I'd rather be growing and seeing what else I can do and what else is interesting and exciting and how I can show up in the world and learn and meet more people and all that good stuff. So, I mean, I'm so optimistic today. <laughs> you probably talk to me in maybe a week or like right after I host Thanksgiving and I'm going to be like, forget all this growth. This is not this. <laughs> but that's important to know too, right? You have your days where you're like, nope, no growth today. I want no growing. I want no change or evolution. I just want to be safe and comfortable. And I just want to be how I am right now. And that is good too. And you have to recognize that you're going to have those days. And they're not, it's not a bad thing. It's a human experience to need the days where you're not growing, (laughs) where you are staying the same and you do schedule in. This is crazy, but schedule in two hours to scroll on your phone. Do it. Just put it in the calendar. Phone scrolling two hours. You're actually probably going to do it for about an hour. And then you're like, all right, you know, I want to go do something else. Right. Yeah, exactly. But those days are important too. Oh, absolutely. 100%. I could literally talk about this for hours. Like we could just keep going forever, but I like to keep my podcast episodes short. So 
maybe you'll just have to come back. We'll say what happened. <laughs> love to. I would love to. I, I want to roll into the final question of the podcast, which is one that I've asked every single guest who has ever been on. And it's based off of the title of the podcast, which you know is Fashion Your Passion. What is one tip that you would give those who are dreaming based off of how you have fashioned your passion? I would say that every part of your journey is fashioning your passion. It is, it will, you don't have to force it. So you will be able to look back and see the path that you've taken and realize how all the things connect. But when you look forward, all you see in front of you are just a whole bunch of stepping stones across a river, right? All you see are just a bunch of options. So you go with your best, warmest gut feeling. There is no right next step. The right next step is in fact the one you take. So just realize that you are fashioning your passion with every step that you take. If you think about it like that, if you think about the steps in your journey as wrong or mistakes or wasting time or shouldn't have done that, then they're not going to serve you. But if you can think of them, and they've already happened for a lot of us, right? Even where you were in college, but you get to choose now whatever you want to think about what's happened in the past. You can't change the events, the facts of what happened in the past, but you get to decide now in this moment how you want to think about them. So that power to look back and see that every step of your journey is in fact fashioning a passion, even if it's not 100% clear Believe that. And guess what? You'll feel so much more confident in your next step of your journey, knowing that that's going to fashion your passion somehow or another. And so is the next one. And so is the next one. And then you will have a moment in your minivan. Minivans are awesome. Where you actually really kind of comes clear. And then it's like, you just keep doing the same thing, right? So that's my advice for fashioning your passion is realize that you already are doing it. I love that. That is something that I don't think we've ever heard from that question before. So we love that because sometimes people repeat things, you know, and stuff like that. But that is that is some new insight. So we appreciate it. Where can people find you on the web, on social? Lay it all out for us. Awesome. So it's ruddercoaching.com, R-U-D-D-E-R-C-O-A-C-H-I-N-G. And at Instagram, I would love some new followers, rudder underscore coaching. So R-U-D-D-R underscore coaching. And then actually in my bio, but on my website too, I have that work done, have fun, college time management guide for procrastinators and planners. You just click that. It's free. You start to get the whole planner. Yeah. And then on Instagram, I have all sorts of tips and tools and I'm getting better at my reels, which are a little cheesy, but I give these little tips and strategies that I think are super helpful. So, yes. And then everything will be linked down below. So it's an easy click and, you know, go right to it. Laura, thank you so much for coming on the pod. I feel like I can be more productive now and I feel like I'm just going to just do a whole audit of my life in the next (laughs) half an hour. Um, before my next call. So I do appreciate it. And I am more than confident that my listeners will also appreciate it as well. So thank you. And for those who are listening, I will talk to you guys next week. 